Footy and Frothy's round four review show. Ollie and Daggy in person, the gumps on the line, and uh, and Barney coming from the COVID ward. It's finally caught up with him after two and a half years. He's, yep. uh, he's still kicking online. Hey, travelling buddy. Oh, yeah, mate, struggling, but as you can probably hear, um, struggling. I'm probably doing better than 30% of the teams that ran around on the weekend. Mm. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. We'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll try and get through it as painlessly as we can for you and uh, cover off the results. Gumpy, how'd you find the weekend? Yeah, there were some good games and some some ordinary games, but I think, um, you know, after four rounds, I think the cream started to rise to the top and the rest are sort of sitting where they're sitting. So um, we thought it would take about four or five rounds for that to happen. Um, I said... Play your joker if you're in any footy tipping comp last week, and I was pretty confident I'd get seven or eight, and I missed one. But um, that's one I'm probably always going to miss because the Warriors won, and I don't generally pick them. So, um, yeah, I think it, looking at this round, I think it's pretty similar. But you know, that's where it is at the moment. I think it does seem that way, Ollie. Uh... We enjoyed an epic encounter Thursday night, one of the classics. Yeah. We might go home and watch it after this, actually, yeah. just to relive the all the excitement from Thursday's clash. How are you? Oh, stupendous. Uh, it's been a stupendous weekend. Yeah, well, especially uh, after since it's been four days since that game. I sort of forgot about it, but we can uh, <laughs> relive it all again this evening and have a bit of fun talking about it. So. What a treat. Yeah. Anyway, uh, some news to get through. Judiciary-wise, uh, Tommy Flegler off his four, four sin bins or whatever he got, four reports, got two weeks. It was a total of that. And Jazz Tavanga for putting for putting Patrick Carrigan out for six weeks, got two. So um, good to see him really enforcing a cannonball, as we've said all along. So that's uh, that's been awesome. Any thoughts on any of that? Pretty standard. I suppose we shouldn't be surprised by oh, mate, nothing that we haven't already said for the yeah. first what, two or three weeks. It's yeah. ridiculous. They need to get out of the game, but it doesn't look like they plan on doing that anytime soon. So, and the big injury news from the weekend is Tommy Turbo out to for four to six. He's having they reckon four yeah. MCL surgery, uh, at the same as Patrick Carrigan as a result of that cannibal be out to four to six. Uh, the hammer out for about three, and then we've got Albert Kelly in doubts with a. A foot injury, maybe after he stomped on someone's shoe. Not sure there. Uh, Dylan Walker in doubt. Eremiah, Frizzell and uh, Mark Nichols were all waiting on injury news. Obviously, Turbo, the big one there, makes Wednesday's tipping a little bit more interesting. 100%. 100%. Cool. All right, let's get into the, let's get into the round oh. review. <laughs> What was it? It was only realistically him and DCE that actually looked like a threat at any stage, maybe Olakawatu here and there, but um, that just takes another one of their, you know, their avenues of attack out of that side from a team that's um, struggled so far this year to get their attack in order. So, Yeah, that's um, fair commentary. So the round did kick off with the epic encounter. would have been the first NRL game of all time to not have a try if there wasn't a try scored in the 80th yeah. minute. <laughs> 8-6, the Titans defeated the Cowboys. Barney, take a deep breath, fill those lungs and uh, give us the stats. No worries. We got we had one try to zero, obviously, one out of one conversions for both teams. And, uh, sorry, zero out of one 
conversions and one out of one. And we had three out of three penalty goals for the Tigers. Um, I fucked all that up all completely. So I'm doing well. <laughs> one try to zero, one out of one conversions for the Titans. One out of one <clears throat> penalty goals for the Titans and three out of three for the Tigers. 65% completion played 75% from the Tigers. 38 out of 43 sets played 28 out of 37. 150 plus post-contact meters for the Titans. 21 tackle bus played 30 to the Tigers. 10 offloads to six. One force dropout by the Tigers, 0 40 20s. 303 tackles made by the Titans, 316 by Wests. One ruck infringement apiece. One inside the 10 against the Titans. Six penalties conceded to 10. 16 errors from the Titans and 13 from the Tigers. Uh, one sin bin to the Tigers. Mo made 36 tackles. Twile made 34. Asako with 190 running metres and Mamalo with 156. Uh, young Sexton missed six tackles, made 17. And Tualangi missed three and made 25. Who wants first crack at this? There's not a whole lot we can say that really hasn't been said about this game. Like the stats say it all. It just seemed, like I said uh, last week about the Tigers-Warriors game, that it seemed in the last 20 minutes they were just sharing the ball, handing it back and forth. Well, it felt like that for 80 minutes in this game, to be honest. Like no one really wanted to do anything with it. And when it was two all and we were getting sort of... Um, 20 minutes out of half time, I was thinking the only way any team, either team's going to win this game is if someone makes a mistake. And there ended up being three mistakes. The Titans made two of them by giving away penalties in front of their goal line, which allowed Luke Brooks to kick those penalty goals. And we also had the obvious mistake by Billy Walters on the 80th minute, dropping the ball in his own in goal, um, leading to that Titans try. So it definitely wasn't a, wasn't a master a, class. Or yeah. it, it was a grind in was one sense of the Freudian term. Was that a Freudian slip there, Billy Walters? Or? No. Jock Madden, I like to call him. <laughs> <laughs> Man, screw this game. I mean, Billy... <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, if the, I, I have nothing else to say. That Billy Walters... Just mistakes uh, everywhere. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it just, uh, this is a real good start. Everyone's all over the place and uh, <laughs> there we go. Something in the bin. But um, all right, what do you say about this game? The only time the Tigers looked remotely, well, there was just no intent from either team. There was 78 minutes of both teams having four hit-ups, kicking the ball and then defending for four hit-ups and then catching the ball. It was the most uninspiring game of football, in between dropping it lots and lots. As you said, what was that? Mm-hmm. 29 errors between both teams. Titans, if I was a Titans fan, I'd be almost more concerned about a Tigers fan because we came to the season being optimistic about it. Uh, they were very uninspiring. I think if they're serious, we need to get the stage that AJ moves to fullback and tries to respark something there because they didn't have anything else. Uh, Marzu was good. Tino was good for about 20 minutes. Um, I don't really want to talk about anyone else in this game. Uh, Jock Madden, actually, apart from the last play, and I did feel sorry for him, but for... Um, for the 15 minutes where he took control of the game in the second half, the Tigers actually looked half decent. Uh, 40-20 and then a couple of um, potential tries. Uh, Laurie looked better than he has all year. And um, Alex Twal in a boring game, did his boring best. Uh, that's what else am I supposed to say about it? Like, God, it was a bad game to watch. Uh, Gump, you can keep going. What were you going to say? Oh, look. There was 30 errors and 16 penalties, so we start there at, at you're going to think about the standard of the quality of the game. I did hear during the week that 
Volandi's got a call from Guantanamo Bay and they wanted um, a tape of the game to use as torture on the terrorists. Um, I was waiting to see where you're going with that. So, um, look, that's about it. Look, I question the game management at at some time in the game, especially a couple of points for the Tigers. At 4-2 with three minutes 30 to go, do you kick for goal there? Or do you take a tap, have a set, get a set restart and virtually close the game out? Or even take a field goal, get one in front and get the ball back. Or or something. Instead, they they take the two points. I know that the Titans didn't get the ball from the kickoff and the Tigers then got the other end and gave a penalty away to get them down there. But it changes the narrative of the game. 4-2, what... You know what? The only reason that they didn't want it to be four-two, they're scared of a forty-meter field goal to get them to a draw. Well, yeah. there's been there's only been three forty-meter field goals in the history of the NRL. Did the Titans even have somebody that could kick one? To be brutally honest, not on that form, not on last, Probably not, not on that game form. So, in that, why are they worried about a two-point field goal? That that just shows me that they're thinking about getting beaten. Yeah. which shouldn't come into their head. And the last thing is, and I'm not blaming Jock Madden either because he's one of the best players, but with 40 seconds to go, why does Jock Madden not run over the dead ball line with that ball? The yeah, game's yeah. over. It's yeah. 30 seconds from to take the drop kick yeah. and the game's the game's over. Guys have got to have a, when they're getting that much money, you've got to have a little bit better match awareness. And I know it's spur of the moment and all of these things, but it's their job to concentrate for 80 minutes. Yeah. Well, that's the only time they've got to concentrate in the week. They don't really have to concentrate at training. They're going through drills and stuff. So, really, they could half concentrate for 80 minutes in a week. We're asking 17 blokes to concentrate and pay attention to some detail. And, look, the Tigers and the Titans weren't the only two teams that did that, but they contributed to what was, I don't know, it was torturous to watch. It was awful um, I'm with you, Daggy. Titans supporters have probably got a little bit more to worry about. They, they probably a little bit more expectation than Tigers supporters have. So the Titans would want to turn it around fast. I had them in my eight, but on that performance... Couldn't possibly. Geez, they, if they make the eight, they've, it's, a, it's a big turnaround because I, I can't see it on that performance. Yeah, well, they probably didn't even deserve to win that game, realistically. As no. you said, in that last 40 seconds, the first thing you're thinking of is to kill the ball, aren't you? Not try to catch it and get out of your in goal. Just throw the yep. thing over the dead ball line, do whatever you have to do to kill the ball. Just grab it and put it down. Um, yeah, it's, there wasn't a lot of good thinking going on in this game at any time, realistically. Uh, as Ollie mentioned, I thought it, the Warriors-Tigers game the week before was the worst game I'd seen in a long time, and it only took six to seven days for another game to pop up. <laughs> it was even worse. And the lowest common dom- denominator happens to be the West Tigers, unfortunately. They and seem at to... the moment, they're probably the lowest common dom- denominator in the competition. So, Well, they bring the worst out of teams, it seems. Absolutely. Yeah, talk about dragging someone down to your level, but the <laughs> only problem is they can't beat them when they get them down there. Um just, what do you say, constant errors, missed tackles, drop balls, and some really bad decisions by some blokes who have played 150-plus first-grade games as a halfback. Um, you said Madden. I thought Madden looked, made Brooks like a rookie. Looking, he did. Made him for look the, like 20, a rookie for at different 20 times minutes there the he did, and then what, what went wrong is in the last 10 minutes, old Brooks, he went, oh, I better win us the game now, and started mm. 
pushing his way into first receiver again, and it that the game the, the whole attack stopped because before that the twenty minutes before that Jock was running around, like I said forty twenty some good kicks, some actual kicks that made sense instead of the shitty chip to the three quarter line, which never achieves anything. Um, and it, was, it, it was absolute torture. If you watched every minute of this game, um, it's, I feel sorry for you because I know I did, and I didn't feel real good after it. But um, when it wasn't even COVID, <laughs> it might have given me COVID. <laughs> uh, who were the least, the, the least worst players for you, blokes? Well, I actually, Tino well, was probably, first of all, can anyone yeah, tell, can, can actually first, tell me why the first try wasn't a try? Given no, it was I a try. It was a try. Why? Why aren't they checking this? I don't I have no idea how that wasn't um, at least checked because um, I didn't see anything wrong with the way Tulangi picked up that ball and gave it back on the inside for the Tigers to score. Maybe but. because if the Tigers are two and two and just like half the teams in the comp um, and are all three sixty has nothing to talk about. For the start maybe, maybe. Like, it's louder than I thought. Um, <laughs> it, it is. It's starting to feel that way because two weeks in a row they've lost by two and four and had. Tries. And that was a wonderful yeah. piece of play. You'd think, if anything, they'd be trying to advertise that and, you know, well, 100%. at least check and it so that it can go on the highlight reel for next week. And leading 6 0 is a different game to for the game we saw, but Absolutely. least worst players, I actually don't know. Um, Tino would have to be three points for me. I agree with Barney. It would have. Yeah, um, I'll give, I'll actually, we'll give Twile two. I thought he was pretty good. Probably our best forward by and Luciano. Or, and I thought Madden was good, apart from that last play. It was Jock Baden's best game of first grade to that point, when he was allowed to. And the, um, other, the other bloke I want to mention is James Roberts, as someone I want to kick lots. Um, <laughs> he had his best game in since he was, what, at Brisbane? Yeah, probably. Um, and that was just on the back of the ball, sort of bouncing into his lap and then him having a little bit of space to run. Um, I don't think he actually conjured a lot for himself, but... Um, I had I had Tino, I had Mo for two, and then either Twala or Luciano for one, but... Um, uh, Super coach points. Leilua had fifty six. Fafita had fifty three, and Twal had fifty five. Any thoughts, Gump, on any points? Any people that should get voted? No, nothing uh, other than what people said. You could throw Marzu in. Maybe he, he was probably all right for meters and stuff. And I don't remember any real glaring errors from him. So I just, I'm just trying to think of people that didn't really make glaring errors. Mm. In terms of their performance, and he probably one that stands out that probably didn't make any errors that I noticed. And I thought Mo was good, but there were three or four errors that he made that were just yeah, uncharacteristically. He he sunk to the level of other players in that game, like with poor hands. Let's and, give him a point for murdering Jacob Little. So um, <laughs> three to Tino, two to Twal, and one to Mo. Yep. And we can all move yeah, on. Right, actually, before we move on, where who wants to talk about David Fafita? You may as well just not talk about him because there's, there's, what is it to talk about? Like it just, sums it up. may as well, well play centre and just stand there and wait till someone passes him the well, ball. We saw, that, doesn't go looking we, could, for we saw that template later in the weekend, didn't we? He did. He probably got a slightly more involved than he did the week before, but it's still nowhere near enough, especially... Just look at the blokes like Haas and that that are getting paid six hundred and fifty, seven hundred grand compared to him on a million, and the output between the two of those, like just as an example. I'm getting less inclined to blame him though the more I'm watching other teams play. Like right. other teams, their back rowers play exactly the same way and they get the ball. 
True. Is it the yeah. inside blokes not getting him the ball? You look at your kick-outs and the, the, probably the best player on the weekend, Talakai, and people might put shit on Matt Moylan, but I'll tell you what, Matt Moylan's getting him early ball yeah, and, and giving him the opportunity. David Fafita's not getting any early ball from them. When he gets it, it he's got two people on top of him. I, look, I don't think his output is enough, but... I'm willing maybe at the moment to give him the benefit of the doubt and there's not much inside him that are giving him any quality ball. I, yeah, no, it's fair comment. Fair comment. We had I, more I, runs than any other of their forwards. Um, didn't get it any, anywhere near as many tackles, but yeah. yeah so, so I don't know whether it's just a David Fafita issue or whether it's a, a Titans issue. That is true. And, and you know what? There's teams, we'll, we'll go through all these teams, where this was a round where... I guess normal service resumed, and yeah, the, yep. the common bit, factor yeah. in all of that has to come back to the perennial coaches, doesn't it? As we go through, uh, but I uh, just need to read out from our Footy and Frothy's Facebook page um, the amount of the match votes from. Oh, yeah. So in on this <laughs> game, I thought Luke Brooks was massive in a losing side. Thank you, Dave. Danan, the goalpost. Lockie Booth, Fafida was the least terrible. Darren said Scott Prince. <laughs> Dean Butler said any and all fans, any and all Tigers fans. Uh, Ovi's replied, we deserve a Dally M or a lobotomy. <laughs> um, Shawsy said, me for sitting through it. William James said, uh, the full-time siren. Crackers said, uh, every single rugby league fan that sat through that tribe go and watch a local Sixers game, be better. Uh, Matt said the exits, and um, so they were some of the replies we had in a, in a cracking game of rugby league. So we got to the Saturday night, uh, Friday night, in fact, 6 o'clock Friday, uh, 18-0, Sharks over the Newcastle Knights. Barn, what did the stats say? Yes, we had four tries to zero. One out of four conversions played zero out of zero. 75% completion played 79 for the Knights. 31 out of 41 sets played 31 out of 39. Sharks had 650-plus running metres and 130-plus post-contact metres. Five line breaks to one. 45 tackle busts played 19. 14 offloads to five. Uh, one force dropout by Newcastle. 0-40-20s. 343 tackles made by the Sharks played 393. One ruck infringement against Newcastle. One inside the 10 against Newcastle. Eight penalties conceded to six. 13 errors by the Sharks, nine by the Knights. One, each team had a, somebody sent to the sin bin. Nakora made 42 tackles, Randall with 57. Mulatano with 239 running metres and Gagai with 124. Talakai missed three tackles, made 10. Gagai missed seven and missed, oh, sorry, missed seven and made 29. And Young, Dominic Young missed four and made eight. You can have first crack at this part. Yeah, radio. Um, I thought the first 20 minutes was pretty competitive. Um, Newcastle were probably on top for 10 minutes of that first 20. Um, and it was sort of going back and forth there until um, old mate got sent to the sin bin. Um, so Tolman scored that first try. And then it was just all one-way traffic for the Sharks um, for the next, what, 60, 50 to 60 minutes of this game. I thought the Knights were pretty desperate in defence and, um, you know, they worked hard to make sure that they didn't get beaten by a lot larger margin. Um, 
the fact that the Sharks made a couple of errors here and there at the end, very at the very end of their plays probably helped them not getting beaten by a lot more. But I thought the Sharks were pretty convincing, and um, they probably should have won by closer to thirty than what they did uh, with the eighteen points. But um, yeah, at the end of the game, it was pretty pretty convincing shutout. The Knights bench offered next to nothing, um, as did Ponga was probably the worst player on the field. I think um, I think he had about six touches and dropped the ball three times. Nine super. One of them points. leading directly to one of them leading directly to Sharks try. Um, Randall and Mann did some really good work, and their halves were okay, as was their starting pack. But they got monstered by the Sharks starting pack. Um, McGinnis and Tolman put in some good work when they came back on off the bench, but um, the Sharks' backline was pretty much dominant in every position against the Knights. And as I said, I probably thought they deserved to win by a couple more tries than what they did. Yeah, yeah, it's a game that actually, when I look back on it, the scoreline's surprising because it felt like a, a 30 nil game rather than an 18 nil game. Mm. Uh, watching it live, Gump, your thoughts? Yeah, the score flattered the Knights. I thought the Sharks were really good. They were controlled. Um, they didn't panic or rush like teams had the week before. They were patient. They Look, they've got it right at the moment by they're getting early ball to players that need early ball. I said it early. Matt Moylan's getting the ball early to someone like Talakai. I'm not surprised Gagai missed seven and Young missed six. They were probably all on Talakai and there was 45 tackle busts, probably 25 of them by Talakai on that side of the field. So once it might not have even been a plan, but once they've given him early ball twice and they couldn't handle him, well, that's plan A. And you stick with plan A in any game as soon as it works a couple of times and you keep going to the well and it kept working for them. Like he was outstanding. So we we talked about, we spent, we talked at length about the Cronulla Ford pack and you've answered one question there because why would you move him from the centres? Well, that's what I mean. We were talking about the makeup of the Sharks team last week and who'd fit where and, and how they'd all fit. So I think that that answered a big question in terms of, look, he's got to start, whether he starts in the back row or the centres, but he's he's got to start. He's that X-factor player out wide for them that you probably need to be a top four team. If he continues to play like that, then you need someone like that on an edge. That, that's going to do some damage. So he may be getting a clearer picture of, of what who might be who in the zoo in terms of that um, moving forward. And it wasn't, Mark, heard. it was on a, it was on probably the form centre of the comp until then. 17 tackle bus. Okay, guy. Yeah, no, so there you go. So 45 tackle bus for the team. He had 17. So he's got, you know, close to half of them, one bloke. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just watching it here on 360 in the background and he's palming blokes off at the moment. Um, and Mulatano, I'm pretty sure, was on his outside who had six as well. So Yeah, in terms of that. So, look, the Knights weren't poor, bad. They were okay. But I think that they're in that echelon of teams there that are fi- will find it very hard to score points. Like, I don't see too many points in them in games. And... Look, if the points aren't coming from Ponga, then I don't know where they're coming from. And I think the weekend illustrated that, that he had a poor game. And, look, they didn't really look like scoring a try, to be honest, in all honesty, in that game. So, yeah, the score flattered the Knights. They weren't bad, bad like some of the other teams, but the Sharks were very good. I have to agree with Gump wholeheartedly in the sense that 
Newcastle weren't actually that bad, and all I've really seen concerning this game since is how bad Newcastle were, and obviously Ponga and whatever. But I thought the main thing we can attribute to this outcome was Cronulla were clinical for about 70 minutes on both attack and defence, and we don't see that in a lot of games, and they looked like a top four team. There aren't that many sides who can be clinical and play that way and just absolutely dominate a team for that long. Penrith's one of them. Uh, Melbourne can as well. So it was just really interesting to see that from Cronulla. That's the main thing I took away. Uh, You touched on Moylan before, obviously, getting uh, Talakai early ball, but I still thought he was good, the service he was giving him. I thought Moylan did have a good game. Um, And... That's the thing as well. There are people saying, well, Hines was a bit off or he wasn't as good. He just wasn't getting as much ball because Talakai was the hot hand. So you want to be getting the right player on the right side to get the ball to him. I think that's simply what it was. And Talakai obviously was, I'd say, we'd probably all give him three points this week. He was just the the main man. He looked like David Fafita. so maybe David Fafita does need to move to the centres, but I know it was sort of a, an interesting point we brought up on Wednesday that he'd been named in the centres, but uh, so far it's worked out and you'd nearly not... Well, you wouldn't really move him, would you? Because you couldn't. You can't. But I did mention last week that I would really had no concerns about him being there except for being up against somebody who gets early ball and gets around him with footwork, but... It didn't look like it was going to happen on the weekend. And you've got a couple of blokes on either side that can help as well in that kind of situation. So, Well, he plays like that for another week. I might shave the mow and go full Talakai as well and see how we go. But um, <laughs> it's our three two ones, Barn. I, I don't have a lot to tell you. guys have summed up pretty well. Um, good to see your man Molitano. Um, yeah, again, good enough service and he does a job. Oh, he's a fantastic and, player. He finish finish as well as just about any uh, winger in the comp. Um, he's big enough and strong enough, so if you give him time and space, he will he'll definitely score tries. Um, and he doesn't have a lot of errors in him. He, he has the odd game here and there, but um, yeah, he's a pretty solid player, I think. I think um, Talakai has to get three points. I don't think there's anyone in NRL that would give, would not have given him three points in this game. And I had Mulatano on the corner. He didn't get three points for this game, too. <laughs> he might have. Ask Nathan Ironmarsh. Uh, but Mulatano I had for two and Nakora for one, but I'd be happy to switch those two around. Either way, it doesn't really matter. I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Yep. What do you blokes think? Yeah, I'd only throw Moylan in, but I'm happy with that as well. If, yeah, Moylan know, was good. Moylan was good, but the others were probably better than him. So. 26-12, Penrith won the grand final rematch. Uh, they confirmed they could beat South with Latrell, contrary to... Many South fans beliefs. <laughs> uh, what did the end? They've got a good backline these days. It's almost like they. You know, You're not wrong. It looks like they've actually strengthened, strengthened so their backline. If they haven't strengthened it, they're, again, they're another team giving giving their talented players good enough clean service that they can and produce. Some of these young kids look like some serious footballers. But, yeah, um, your stats, Barn, and we'll get back to Five that. tries to two, two out of five conversions, played two out of two for Souths, and one out of one penalty attempts for Penrith. 85% completion for the Panthers, 65% for Souths. 36 out of 42 sets, played 26 out of 40. 450-plus running metres for the Panthers. Four line breaks to six. 18 tackle busts to Penrith and 40 to Souths. 11 offloads to nine. Two force dropouts for both teams. 0-40-20s. 334 tackles made by Penrith. 401 made by Souths. Three ruck infringements to two. Zero inside the tens. Five penalties conceded by Penrith. Seven by South Sydney. Six errors to 14. 
Uh, Coruscant made 49 tackles, Cook with 61. Dylan Edwards with 289 metres and Alex Johnson with 172. Cleary missed six tackles and made 13. Appy missed seven and made 49. And young Paulo for Souths missed three and made six. You Well, you could argue Dylan Edwards is the form half, form, form fullback in this competition. He's outstanding again. and um, Doesn't make mistakes. Just clinical. I just don't think... Words is great. Clinical. Edwards is in the right place at the right time. His defence was really good, I thought, the other day. Yeah. Cleary's return was fine. I think 500-odd kicking metres. Did what he had to do. Uh, Lua looked sharp till he potentially tweaked a knee, but it seems like that's all fine. They look like a good football team. They look like the Premiers. What can I say? Uh, but their back line is just fun to watch. Um, Tago's a superstar. Uh, we may have mentioned that once or twice. Taylor and May will be in first grade when Tuo comes back. I'm pretty certain that's going to happen now. But even young Charlie Staines was all right there. So, yeah, they're all producing. And that's about mentioning Stephen Crichton, who is on the other side. So they've got firepower all over the field. Souths, uh, what can I even say? Cam Murray tried really hard, as did Colin Matungi. But they got... And Campbell Graham actually was pretty good. And they played right a little bit more than they have been the last few weeks. So... Um, mm. So Campbell Graham, yeah, I did say that, didn't I? Yeah. Um, yeah, so brought him into the game, but they're just a, they're just a level blow. They're about to go on a hot streak because they're about to play all the terrible teams for the next six weeks. <laughs> uh, but um, Penrith are good. What can I say? I'm just trying to think of a better way to describe it. <laughs> Ollie, they are. I said it last week. They are quite simply at least one level above every other team in the competition at the moment. Like it's just crazy how they. Produce not even Isaac Tago, who we were sort of talking a little bit about in the preseason, that he, he could have a big year coming through. But Taylor May now, who didn't even start the year in first grade, and I'm sure we said it last week, there's probably so many other players in their system who are going to be superstars one day. But yeah, for me, definitely Dylan Edwards would have had to be the standout. He somehow didn't get three Daly M points, but hey, that's why we've got our own system. I also think thinking about it, comparing him to a Tom Travojevic or a James Tedesco, two players who are, you know, consistently put above him and Edwards for a while now, a lot of people say he's been underrated. I'd say just about he's the best fullback in the competition in terms of the system he fits into, in a way. 100%. He just fits into that Penrith system perfectly, whereas it's not to say that Tedesco and Travojevic don't yeah. fit in at their respective clubs, but they have to do a lot more work. Um, then a Dylan Edwards where he can sort of just play his role to perfection. There aren't many negatives in his game. He just, yeah, it's like him in Penrith system is like peas in a pod. And at the moment, he would have to be the form fullback in the competition. I had a quick think about it. Literally no one comes close right now, I don't think. Pappy's just getting warmed up. But yes. Yeah. Well, well, I'd still say Edwards over yeah, 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 yeah. At, the, at the moment. That's, that's a so, really, really good summary, really. Uh, could you imagine, Edwards. though, could you imagine some of these other more electric fullbacks in the Penrith team? They'd score six tries. If Pappy played for Penrith, oh, yeah. or Tedesco or Tommy Turbo played for Penrith, how many tries would they score? Yeah, like, seriously, yeah. like Dylan Edwards plays the way that Penrith need him to play. Yeah. But God, strike me if some of these other more electric. Imagine if Latrell played for Penrith. Oh. Like <laughs> serious, like yeah. see, could you imagine? Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah, it's also a credit to how strong Penrith are as a team as well that Edwards doesn't have to do any extra work 
at no all, creative. really. They don't need yeah. any creative work no. out of him. And I see, he, he, he's not going to go to North Queensland on 800000 next year and, no. and win him a comp, but for where he fits, you wouldn't change him. No. It's, uh, no, definitely not. Yeah. Uh, Gumpy, keep going. Yeah, look, I've, I don't think I've ever seen a better team either scramble defence than Penrith. Like, we know the last two years and this year their defence is good and defence wins comps. But even, and I was going to bring it up, and I know Barney did in the stats, that Penrith missed 40 tackles and South missed 17. The scramble from Penrith is unbelievable and the effort just <laughs> effort plays from guys that just want to make the effort because effort's not about ability or being better. Effort's just about wanting it more than, than somebody else does running from one side of the field to the other to get a ball. And we, we praised Albert Kelly the other week for doing it. He did it once. Some of these Penrith guys are doing it every set. We'll do every set. We'll be out of position and in a spot to cover up. And they're just their scramble defense is just phenomenal. They're a phenomenal football team. Look, Souths weren't. They made a lot of errors. Souths and and I think that that comeback to Nottingham didn't really give them an opportunity to probably push Penrith like they might later in the season or they or they did last year. Um, yeah, but the errors really cost them. And again, it was a lot of South Bench players that came on and made errors. Burgess come on and dropped a couple of balls and someone else, you know, when they seem to change their top 13 is when they start to get a whole lot of errors creep into their game. So is their bench a problem? Probably yes. Um, but yeah, Penrith, you, you could go through and every one of them, had a good game. I think an unsung hero in that team, Scott Sorensen. Mm. Like, just, yeah, he's good every week. He comes on, does his job again. Another one like Edwards, runs hard, tackles hard, covers up and just knows his role in the system. Barney, you forecast the return of the fish and of uh, Liam Martin beforehand. You thought that might happen. It indeed did. What do you think of the game? Um, oh, Penrith were nowhere near is their best defensively. Um, as... Gump alluded to, and I said in the stats, they missed way too many first-up tackles, but they just do that much work for each other that they make sure that they can fix it up. And I don't even if Souths had scored 30 points, I think Penrith would have scored 40 just to make sure that they beat them anyway because um, their attack was absolutely humming at different times in this game, and they sort of took their foot off towards the back end of the game as well, so just sort of cruised through the line. But, um, look, Yo, Luai, and... Well, Ed, you could add Edwards to that as well. And Kikau on those edges, they were the catalyst for their attack. They were getting in, uh, either taking the line on and then pushing the ball onto the young fellas on the edges or just giving it to them nice and early and giving them the time and space to beat their man Like because they were either drawing defence or they were giving them early ball. And uh, those two young fellas outside of Kikau there, Targo and May, were absolutely having a field day. And I can't see it stopping anytime soon, to be honest. Um, doesn't help when South's defence... They seem to get themselves in trouble when, they, when they're passive and they stay on the back foot and they don't use their line speed to get up and sort of hustle. And to beat Penrith, you're going to absolutely have to get off your line and start putting pressure on them and um, take their time and space away. If you just sit, sit back and let them come at you, they'll tear you apart. Um, they've done it for two years and they're going to keep doing it. So it's, um, it did worry me the way the South sort of sat back and let Penrith just keep coming at them. And um, it didn't work out well for them, so... 
There's got to be um, some blokes in the South team barn that aren't doing enough work. Because if Damien Cook's making 61 tackles, hmm. there's nothing for him to attack. No, that's right. There's no, so who's not? And then you've got Murray and Arrow who are making 40 tackles a piece right. so, as well. well so. so that's leaving the rest of them yeah. that probably aren't pulling their weight in terms of defence. Because you, you don't want Damien Cook making 60 tackles. No, absolutely not. But um, if you want to just if you want to have a quick look at it, you're looking at blokes like, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Ilias made 16, Paulo only made six. The centers made 12 tackles between them. Like they're not getting in off their line to you know stop to shut down that defense. Um, Jacob Host, uh, the, the middles made 25 to 30, but when you got blokes, other blokes making 55 and 60. It's, um, yeah, you're not sharing the load around at no. all. And their bench had little to no impact again, as you mentioned. Um, they seem to cause more problems than anything else. But, um, yeah, I'd, Souths realistically have to be pretty close to their best to beat anyone that's in and around that top six, I think, at the moment. To me, they're looking more and more like a bottom, like a, um, a team that's going to run seventh or eighth at the end of the season than they are going to go to the top four, so... All I say about that is they're about, like I said, about to have seven weeks in a row where they play some worse teams. Yeah, don't be surprised if they lose a few of those, though. Just to that point, interestingly, the past couple of... That's sort of been south the past couple of years, I've noticed. Uh, they they, they go top, through they stretches. Like to, I think Buzz cracks out the stat that they haven't been a yeah. top four team in like three years or something. But they do. Uh, it was around this time last year, because I think you brought it up as well last year, there was a period where they were just about to go on a run of just the worst teams in the comp. Yeah, and, and then they should have lost to the Bulldogs. Should have lost to the Tigers and that week. As yeah, they had a couple they, of their anyway. Yeah. But, yeah. They won. So. <laughs> yes, they did. Edwards, three. I had um, yeah. May, two. And I'm happy to give Yo one or give someone else, like one of their backline players. Well, one I, had the, I had five or six blokes all in line for that one point. And I had um, I had Yo, Kikau, Cook, Murray, Luai, take your pick, Targo. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. there were so many of them that deserved that one. But... Yo definitely didn't deserve three. Mm. I'd probably say Luai. I was really impressed with what I saw. Nathan Cleary didn't necessarily have his best game, but him being there for Luai, Made you could just better. see the difference. In the Luai's game. best game he's yeah. had in a while. Yeah, I'll give, well, let's give Luai one then. I thought Kikau benefited off the back of that as well. Yeah. They, those two on that left edge were causing massive problems for South. Three to Edwards, two to May, and one to Luai. Saturday kicked off with the Warriors 20 beating the Brisbane Broncos 6 who get in your stats barn and we'll talk about this. See how it works. <laughs> three, three tries to one, two out of three conversions for the Warriors, one out of one for the Broncos and two out of two penalty attempts for the Warriors. 80% completion played 71 for the Broncos. 36 out of 45 sets played 27 out of 38. 300-plus running metres for the Warriors, four line breaks to one, 32 tackle busts to 31, eight offloads for both teams, three force dropouts by the Warriors, zero 40-20s, 302 tackles made by the Warriors, 357 made by the Broncos. Two ruck infringements to zero, zero inside the tens for both teams, seven penalties conceded to 10, 10 errors to 15, two players sent to the bin for the Broncos, was one player sent twice, wasn't it? Anyway, Aitken with 36 tackles, Turpin with 47, Fanua Blake with 202 running metres and Hass with 176. 
<coughs> excuse me, Harris Tavita missed five tackles and made 15, and Rabadi missed nine tackles and made 38. Arthur's with 83 supercoach points, Haas with 80, and Walsh with 76. What'd you make of this, Barn? I thought it was a competitive game for 15, 20 minutes. The um, the injury to Kelly and Flegler at the same time going to the sin bin just took all the gas out of the Broncos. And then their attitude just fell apart to go on the back of it. Um, they seemed to be, as soon as that happened, they just put their heads down and they never got them back up. Um, the Warriors' attitude was much better than the Broncos for the majority of the game. As I said, they looked defeated once um, Flegler got sent to the bin. The Warriors' attack looked a lot better with Sean Johnson in there. He just straightens them up, controls uh, controls where they're going. That first ball, or even the, the two tries that they scored, um, both came directly from Sean Johnson. I know Walsh had to do a spin with one of them and get the ball away, but uh, he was put in that position to be able to do that because of his, the man on his inside. I thought Sean Johnson was quite good in this game, uh, especially for their attack. But um, neither team's bench had any impact whatsoever. And the Broncos just, they've got nothing in attack. Absolutely nothing in attack. Um, the only time they looked good was when Reynolds ran the ball himself and put a little grubber in for himself. It wasn't even for anybody else. <clears throat> and that was only because he Here's picked the, the thing, fullback okay, this was is out I, of position. This is what I was going to bring up. I mean, you talked about it pretty well last week, but there's six teams in the comp. They can't score points. They can't score 10 points. Yeah. Doesn't that come back to the coaching? Like you said last week, they Absolutely all just run does. block plays. Bulldog, we'll get to the Bulldogs. They just, there's no creativity. It's like they turn up and they run their their. Well, teams are trained to there. defend that way. Like yeah. surely <laughs> you work that out at training when you continually throw the same block shapes. Unless yeah. you're the, the reserve grade team you're playing are absolutely horrible in defence and you're scoring tries every two minutes and feel like you're well beaters. How does that work at training? Like surely if it doesn't work at training, how's it going to work in a game? Yeah. <laughs> but, but, and that's across the board. How can eight teams not score, like not be capable of scoring 12 points? It's yeah. just... Both, both the wingers for now. the Broncos were absolute passengers. They didn't even come in looking for the ball, which is yep. unusual because normally they at least do that. Um, most of the time when they did touch it, they just made errors or got tackled as soon as they touched the ball. Walters, who was mentioned earlier for the Tigers, had absolutely <laughs> no impact in this game considering he played 60 minutes. Um, like considering there was talk about him starting at six at the start of the year, and then he comes out with his opportunity to play 60 minutes for the Broncos and does absolutely sweet fuck all, except for running around in circles and drop the ball a couple of times. It's not pushing your cause to get some, to get any game time for the rest of the season. thought Rabadi was okay for the Broncos. Reynolds was good, but he can only do so much. And Payne Haas was Payne Haas. Um, Arthur's obviously had a point to prove being on loan from the Broncos and he um, got a couple of tries against the team that's let him out for the season. Yeah. Curran and Aitken were pretty good, I thought. Um, and SJ and Tavanga were fairly good as well. But It's almost as if in the off-season, and I've noticed this at least the past couple of weeks with Brisbane, it's as if Kevy has focused so heavily on improving their defence that they no longer no know how to, to attack. <laughs> One player in this, uh, this like, is probably the next theme of all the teams I've seen at Can't yeah. Score Points, is they're all scared to attack because yeah. it's they're it, so focused on not yeah. missing 48 tackles, which they do anyway. So you may as well, yeah. like Gump said in the preview, may as well, Canberra may as well yeah. throw the ball around. Because if they'd yeah. scored 20, who knows? And I think that's what's sort of become lost. And it's like with Brisbane, they don't need to be scared with all due respect to attack against a team like the Warriors. 
you'd maybe understand against your sort of your better teams in the competition. But yeah, it's like even in particular Katoni Staggs, he's done next to nothing in attack, but has been making I think at least like ten tackles a game. It, it genuinely seems like they're m- more focused, and I know this sounds stupid, more focused on not conceding than scoring, which it should be to an extent. But it just seems to have gone to an extreme, and I think there's. Kevy would obviously realise, hopefully as a first-grade NRL coach, that something's going to have to be tweaked very soon with what they're doing and their philosophy of being a defensive team because it's all good to be really good defensively, but you've got to attack as well. Just look at Penrith. They're usually great defenders, but they still attack as well and they still got that X factor in them. So, yeah, it's just... Like, even in the first two rounds, they weren't scoring many points when they were winning, like grinding out wins against certain teams, so... Well, who's six points yeah. going to beat you? Six points ain't going to beat yeah. you anybody. Probably lose to the Broncos or uh, to the Bulldogs or the Tigers by scoring six points. Yeah, so. that's a bit well, optimistic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that was probably the biggest takeaway for me because it sort of further cements that. <clears throat> it, in a weird way, they're valuing defence too much and it's now at the detriment of their attack. Yeah, they still con- and that's the thing because they're still yeah, conceding 20 did, points. Yeah. So it's like, Gump. Brisbane are a shit side. It's simple as that. Yeah. You know what? At the start of the year when people are saying Brisbane will make the eight, Brisbane will make the eight, I'm not going to say I told you so because it's a long season, but they were never going to improve enough to make the eight. They won as many games last year really as the Bulldogs won, and people are saying that Brisbane were going to improve more and make the eight. Neither of the teams are going to make the eight. They'll still be at the bottom of the competition because they're not any good. Like, their players aren't any good. They've got too many players in their team that aren't NRL standard. And if they are NRL standard, then they need to actually prove they're NRL standard. As Barney said, the wingers, Pobo and Oates, they don't do any hit-ups even to bring the ball out from their own line like other wingers do. Like, the good teams, and not even the good teams, they have wingers that are taking the ball up or... Like Dylan Edwards for Penrith takes the ball up on second play. Where are they? Where Cobbo and Oates, they're big bodies. They don't get their sets off to any good starts or anything. The Warriors wing is less fashionable, but at least they had a run. Like your Montoyas and blokes like that, that aren't really great first graders, but at least get in there and they have a crack. He's having a good crack this year, Montoya. Yeah, but so, so you don't see some of these blokes involved. Like, you know what? Payne Hass is got rocks in his head if he stays there. Absolutely. He dead yeah. set, got rocks in his head. And I know size might not want to touch him now with all the trouble that he seems to be getting into. Oh, they'll take, even, 15 teams problems, will take him. But you know what? There's problems up there because I heard an interview with Kevy Walters after it and he's saying, oh, more of the blame goes on Albert Kelly than Payne Ass. So he's throwing one player under the bus. <laughs> yeah. And, and if you noticed, and, and actually I heard, I, I don't, I've stopped watching it, but um, the, yeah. the 10 minutes of 360 I saw today was all about Albert Kelly being a pest. Contrary to, can you imagine if it was any other club? But no, nah, because Icon's best mates with some of the panel there. Oh, well, no, we'll defend our best player. What, well, yeah. in, in terms of that, like, and, and, and you know what? He's, his manager's been to clubs, and I know that he had a meeting with the Bulldogs and they wanted a million dollars and the Bulldogs said no. The Bulldogs need their head red. Yeah. Seriously, they're paying Luke Thompson seven fifty, and Payne Hass is not worth a million. Payne Hass is double the player Luke Thompson. So they've overvalued, so they're over, overvalued Thompson and know they have. 
that like, different yeah, Thompson's under a different regime. That's all, like, the only defence I'll say. But yes, but I understand, but I'm just saying. Yes, that yes, yeah. To win a comp, you need to have a, a gun front rower in your team as well as a halfback. Yeah. So, well, that's wouldn't be the only club. Tigers could do with paying ass. Yeah. Any team would do with paying ass. But he got rocks in his head if he stays there because they're a basket case. If, if you're a, if you're a lower eight team and you're going to splash a million bucks on anyone, paying house one that would could drag you up three spots himself. Of course. More than a Ponga will, more than a, a – yeah, there's so more right, than a your, your other forwards don't – the other front rowers don't have to do as much work as they were doing, and then it frees up your, your second rowers to do a bit of ball playing and a bit yeah. of offloading as well. The so. Melbourne Storm's blueprint, since they've been in, they've been the most successful team. The first coach down there, Chris Anderson, said, all I need to do to start my club is to have a gun front rower and a good halfback. They signed Glenn Lazarus and Brett Kamali and won the comp within two years. Yeah. It's not any different now. If you get that gun front rower and gun halfback, yeah. Like, and the Brisbane think they've got it now in Hassan Reynolds, but Reynolds is not that halfback and their culture's obviously up to shit. Like, I can't believe that Kevy would back one player over another in that situation. He should get out there and say they're both fucking idiots. They're both idiots. Yeah. Sitting on get the off the grog. You've, you've lost a game. Maybe get out and work a bit harder. Because one's dispensable and one's not. Yeah. Correct. But they're, look, they're a shit side. They won't make the eight. Neither will the Warriors. The Warriors were good. The usual suspects for the Warriors were good. Josh Curran. I thought Sean Johnson was really good. Reese Walsh was good. Fanua Blake. Up front did well. Wade Egan always gives you good value. So, you know, they have their usual suspects and they'll they'll win their seven or eight games of Warriors and look like winning probably six or seven more, but won't. Daggy Emsbarn? Yeah, well, I had um, Fanua Blake with three points. I thought he was enormous. Best game he's played in quite a while, uh, up near 200 metres and um, plenty of impact. Bruce Walsh with two points and then I either had um, Sean Johnson or Curran for the one. I had Tavanga in there, but the Cannonballs lost him. Yeah, fuck him. My yeah. vote for that one. So, any thoughts on the one there, or any of that? Uh, well, I have to probably agree with what Barney sort of going with there. Yeah. So who's so going Johnson or Curran, guys? Johnson. The one. I gave for Johnson. We we yeah. we talk Curran up every week. It was good to see Sean Johnson. You know. Yep. Cool. Directed yeah, John, Johnson a point. He directed around well. Yeah. Halfway through the round, something I forgot to mention that really gave me the shits in the Penrith game that I was just reminded of, sorry, was Damien Cook purposely playing for a penalty to get a captain's challenge. Yes. That's a, isn't that a professional foul every day of the week? What's the game becoming? Chat. Yeah. yeah. What's the game becoming when you can now just give away a penalty so you can appeal if something that happened five I'm minutes ago? I'm pretty sure that did happen somewhere else in the round, didn't it? And I someone th- got sent for 10 for doing it. I think I'd, yeah. Pretty sure someone did the week before, was it? Yeah. yeah. But when you actively give away a penalty, isn't that a, the definition of a professional yeah. foul? It, yeah, should just, it shouldn't just be on there. should just go now get off. Go. Yep. But it, it annoyed me at the time. Let's all move on then. Uh, to, well, for the rest of the round, I think the story of the rest of the round was that... Um, well, that sort of... Shouldn't they just be able to challenge them? They've only got the one challenge anyway. Yeah. Because the play the has to stop... Well, yeah, play has to stop for there to be a challenge. Mm. And then, um, which is baffling, because why shouldn't the Tigers be allowed to challenge a try, the no try? Yeah. Well, they should have. I'm surprised they didn't. Yeah, who knows. 
Maybe they couldn't have. I don't know. Anyway, who knows? And this is, well, it doesn't add the list of things we don't know about, but um, <laughs> normal resumption resume, normal resumption, normal transmission resume for the rest of the round where the cream, as Gump did say would happen, rose to the top. Uh, 28-0, the Cowboys had their wake-up call and put an end to their run with a very, very impressive Roosters outfit, Barney. You missed the Manly Raiders game, mate. Oh, yeah, did I? I was thinking it was that yeah, game at sorry. 5.30. No, like, too, oh, oh, oh. I was too busy ranting. I swiped twice. Uh, 25-6. <laughs> DCE put the cleaners through the Raiders. Barney, yeah. what did the stats say there? Didn't he just as well and absolutely took control of the back end of this game. Uh, four tries to one, three out of four conversions, played one out of one, and one out of one field goal attempts and one out of one penalty goals for the Manly team. 75% completion played 70%. 34 out of 45 sets played 26 out of 37 Two line breaks, breaks from each team. 25 tackle bus played 24. Seven offloads to 25 from the Raiders. Two force dropouts to one. Uh, 140-20, and I think there was a 20-40 as well from Manly. 276 tackles played 352. One ruck infringement to zero. Two inside the 10s played one. Seven penalties conceded by Manly, eight by the Raiders. Nine errors to 13. Uh Crocker made Croker made 39 tackles, Young with 39 tackles, Tommy Trebojevic with 289 metres, and Charles Nickel Clockstad with 192. Uh, Croker missed five tackles, made 39. Olukawatu missed three and made 25. Starling missed four, made 33. And Emre Gula missed three and made 15. Yeah, as mentioned. So, oh, sorry, Supercoach points. Tommy with 87, DCE with 80, and Whiten with 70. This was the best uh, kicking performance I've seen all year, yeah, and convincingly. Uh, A week after I mentioned Ben Hunt should be the Queensland halfback, the Queensland (laughs) halfback played like a Queensland halfback and uh, was sensational. Even though the difference was um, significant, I thought he was clearly that difference in that team. uh, And one of the better halfback performances I think we'll see all year, just uh, outstanding, absolute A-grade. LOA returning gave him a little bit of something they've needed. Uh, I know he's not a big body, but at least gave him a bit of starch in the middle. And obviously Turbo was Turbo. Um, and uh, <laughs> the only other, mention, only other mention I'll make before I hand over to you, Ollie, is that I feel like Cooler is probably a better player than Brad Parker and maybe playing more football at, starting at centre this year, Ollie. I agree. And it, there's not too much to talk about other than Daly Cherry Evans because he was that dominant. It was the quintessential halfback performance. When you think of a good halfback performance, that what it was. His kicking game was immaculate. It was not too dissimilar from Nathan Cleary in the grand final last year. And that's really what got Manly home. And that was the huge difference maker, I would say, in this game. Tom Travojevic was good as well. Um, not as good as DCE, but he definitely helped. And I'd say he's, well, he's out for four weeks now, but getting better and was getting his confidence back a bit. But realistically, it was just DC's kicking game, I'd say, probably above everything else. He was really good with the ball in hand as well and um, getting players good ball. And that was quite simply it. I'd say that was the real big... Um, the, the Not the turning point, the, yeah, the difference maker in this game, I'd say, was Daly Cherry Evans. And it, I think you point to that game... And I know they weren't versing the best opposition in Canberra when um, people sort of want to make arguments to the most impactful position in the game. I think it's still probably halfback because when you get performances like that, that literally wins you the game. 
I thought it was a pretty average game for 50 minutes, to be honest. Um, I thought there was we're a just, couple of... Looking back, that would have like helped. No Canberra, yeah. no Canberra Fords made 100... Well, Tappanay made 120 metres. No one else made 50. Mm. But it's, yeah, it's, um, it was a pretty average game for about 50 minutes. And um, there was a couple of nice individual efforts. You mentioned Cooler. Um, yep. He's bounced over someone and got back to his feet and put, uh, put, a, put a bloke away. The only time the uh, Raiders looked like scoring a try was either with the barge over from a big bloke from a couple of metres out or when Whiten decides to step back off his left foot and score a try like he did for the Raiders. Other than that, they struggled to look like any sort of um, attack was going to come out of them. It ended up being a bit of a battle of attrition for the definitely the first half and probably the first 10 minutes of the second half, but... After halftime, Manly just upped the tempo and the Raiders looked gassed. They looked tired. Um, they didn't look like they could go with Manly and Manly seemed to just ratchet up the the speed of the play of the ball every sort of 10 minutes or so in that second half. And by the last 20 minutes of the game, Canberra were absolutely out on their feet. Um, as you mentioned, DCE kicked them to death every time Canberra got down to the right end of the field. They got booted back down into their own corner and had to work back out of their, out of their, t- out of their end. And the last 20 minutes, Manly basically just stripped them for numbers wherever they wanted on the field. Every time they took attack to Canberra, they, Canberra looked short for numbers and they got run all over. Um, no energy or enthusiasm with them. In that last 20 minutes, it was an absolute cakewalk and Manly probably should have won by more. But, um, yeah, the Raiders have just thrown up a few more questions and I, I can't see a lot of answers coming out of them at the moment. Starling is a point of attack, but yeah. Yep. I've harped for a few weeks. They're slow. Camera, they're slow. There's no real spark in attack. Like Whiten is a good player, but Whiten's not that player, that X Factor player that's going to put things a whole lot on. I just he had can an run epiphany. Himself, but he's I'll say not because I'll forget. Matt Burton is Jack Whiten. They're the same player. I'm just well, We'll get to Canterbury, but they're yeah. the same player. Could well be. They're the same player, because except Burton can kick the ball 20 metres further. Their best attacking weapon is Rapana, who's got errors in him, but at least he comes into the middle and tries to sort of mm. get some stuff done. And he made a few errors, but I didn't mind the errors in his case there because he was trying to do something. Like he'd try and offload in the middle of the field and try and get some sort of some stuff going when they were down on the scoreboard, but he's probably their best attacking option. He's a winger. Um, it's yeah. sort of, a, it, it makes it hard. And, and Chance is another one that as a fullback, he's more like a Dylan Edwards, but he doesn't have the team around him to play like Dylan Edwards um, in, in terms of that. So um, yeah, Manly, DCE, it was a clinic from DCE. Um, you know, you take him out and the score is probably nowhere near what it is. In terms of of the game in the end, um, I was pretty confident that Manly would win the game convincingly, um, and and they did. But yeah, it, it was a DCE show, and Canberra just confirmed to me that they're they're slow. They might get eight spot because there's eight teams worse. That that that's just might the thing. There. I, I don't know. It's becoming increasingly more like two teams. It'd be like last year. Two teams are going to stumble him yeah. with negative win. Records, 
and just be like, this. Well, the Raiders absolutely need to dominate the middle. They they managed to scrape home against the Sharks by making it a forward battle and getting those offloads away. But 25 offloads in this game, I reckon probably 18 of them were just garbage. They were just popping the ball yeah, back. It was going to nobody. If it was going to anyone, it was Starling. He was standing flat-footed, getting ready for him to play the ball. <clears throat> if they're going to play that offload game, they need players in and around, like your chance, your rappers in sniffing around, waiting for that ball to drop back and then, you know, actually do something with it rather than just catching the ball and getting tackled. But, yeah. Yep. Uh, three to DCE, contrary to the Dallium votes. I think it was three clearly, to DCE, absolutely. Three to the best player. 100%. Uh, I can accept two to Tommy, I suppose. Yeah, 280 yeah. odd metres. You have to give it to And two. then um, one to either Cooler, LOA, anyone else? I had Paseca, LOA, and Whiten. But probably go I thought Paseca was Paseca. massive. He only played 35 odd metres and made almost as many metres as anyone on the field. Um, it was probably yep. his best game that he's played for a long time. So. Is he been injured or why is I'm he? happy with LOA and Whiten as well. He so. was. Was he? No, sorry, that was Olakuatu who was injured in the Olo preseason. Kato, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Paseca's not playing more. Yeah. Uh, Gumpy, any to add? No, that's, I'm happy with that. Now we get to the Roosters. 28-4 over the Cowboys, Barn. Yeah, we had one try to the Cowboys, six to the Roosters. Uh, zero out of one conversions, played two out of six. 76% completion, played 77%. 30 out of 39 sets, played 34 out of 44 one line break to the Cowboys, seven to the Roosters, 28 tackle bust to 31, 10 offloads to the Cowboys, six to the Roosters, force dropout for both teams, 361 tackles played 295 for the Roosters, two ruck infringements to one, zero inside the tens. Cowboys gave away 10 penalties, Roosters gave away eight, nine errors to 11. Robson made 46 tackles, Radley made 37, Felt with 152 metres, and Tedesco with a 217. Nanai missed six tackles, made 39. Did miss five, made 22. Holmes missed three and made one. Uh, Manu and Walker, they both... Oh, well, Manu missed six, made 14, and Walker missed five and made 19. Manu got 118 super coach points. Radley with 100. Tedesco with 88. And there was another Roosters player before Tomalolo got 68. Did Takeo get injured? What happened with him? I'm not sure. I didn't. I don't remember him getting injured. I think he, he was an injury report. He, just got he played off. 20 minutes. And... Yeah. Gump, what do you think of this? They didn't need him, mate. It was a pretty easy Maybe. night at the office for the Roosters. Yeah, well, that's true. Gump, Especially yeah. their attack. Yeah. I said Roosters 13 plus was the, the moral of the round and never looked in doubt. In fact, the score flattered another game where the score probably yeah. flattered the Cowboys. I thought uh, Manu was excellent. Um, just with his involvements. Did I hear that right, Barney, that Holmes made one tackle? Yeah, missed three. Yeah. So in 80 minutes of oh, football, no. you've got a centre <laughs> that's, that's made one tackle. Yeah. Like, seriously. And Manu wasn't missing him. He was running at him. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's made one tackle and in a game of football. He's yeah. kidding himself. Yeah, well, he'll still make the Queensland team. How will they go? Well, but he, <laughs> and he, he's kidding himself making yeah. one tackle. Yeah, surely, you I agree, know, I agree. surely you know you've only made one tackle and you, you have a go. And the like, three that he missed were probably all – well, those three that he missed probably all led to tries for Manu. Yeah, two did, two definitely did. Or yeah, the flick so, pass. But the Roosters really, they didn't look as frantic as they did the week before. They looked a lot more measured and composed. Um Kiri and Walker seemed to work. Teddy wasn't getting over-involved in the game and sort of running around 
So I think putting that week before's performance down to just a bad week against South, um, you know, let's see how they go a few more weeks now, the Roosters, and see if they start getting into some kind of groove. I think they probably will. Um, Cowboys, you know, I, I think Tommy Dearden's going really good for them. Um, there was only one less player, one player that had less super coach points than Kalen Ponger. I noticed Chad Townsend with two <laughs> super coach points. Um, again, shows that you haven't really done much right. I know he did get sent to the sim bin in the late in the game, which you lose points for, but geez, he mustn't have had many to, to lose in the first place. So, um, yeah, I, I look, I think we're still going to be pretty close to the mark with the Cowboys and where we had them on the ladder. I think that, you know, they, you know, they beat the Broncos. Well, whoop de do in terms of that. And, and they beat the Raiders. Well, that's probably whoop de do as well. Um, you know, they haven't, that was their first decent team they've come up against and they got lapped. So, um, yeah, that's, that's about it. I think during the week leading up to this game, you mentioned it, Gump, that Trent Robinson would have had to pull Teddy aside and just say, hey, sort of he calm looked- down. Because that was, in that game against South Sydney, that was very apparent. And I think it sort of stems from the fact that last year he did need to do that extra work. I think it's just him sort of remembering that Kiri's back now. It did can- feel like the team breathed. This yep. week was able to breathe, yeah. Yeah, and it, it also helps that they're versing a, a team like the Cowboys. And Gump said at the start of the show, we've officially, you know, we the, the score lines are starting to widen. We know who are the, the good teams and the bad teams. And I think this was the game where it was on full display because leading up to this, I've seen people starting to tip the Cowboys for the eight or dark horses. I think this is where we sort of got to stick with our predictions and see how things play out. And you're absolutely right, Gump. The two games that the Cowboys won, well, they the performances at their opposition put up just abysmal. They have now gone up against the team. I'm still tipping to win the comp and they got absolutely blitzed. And you're correct, as well that the Roosters should have won by more. Just on the man, Joey Manu, quickly as well, I thought he looked very... It's easy against Valentine Holmes, who makes one tackle, misses three, but he looked really strong, just stronger than he has in other years Well, it was a point of well. attack for the first... Yeah. The first few rounds, he hasn't even been a point of attack because it's all been... Everyone the last two years, way. he hasn't been a point of yeah, attack. No. They generally don't go to him. Uh, they all, well, normally true, always yeah. go to the other side of the field. Yeah. And um, when they do go to him, it's generally as a last pass option, not early ball and giving him time and space to do what he likes to do to his opposition centres. So. Keep going, man. Oh, man. I thought the Cowboys weren't disgraced. Their effort was definitely there. Um, that's changed from last year, especially in defence. They could have well and truly easily gotten beaten by 40 or 50 points in this game because the Roosters were on. Uh, coming back to the way that Teddy's been playing recently, it come, it's, to me, it's directly when their forwards are getting beaten. When the Roosters' forwards are on the back foot and they're not just trampling over the line like they were in this game, that's when their back line starts to do some silly things and um, their time and space is taken off them and the halves run around in circles and then Teddy starts running around in circles and it all, it all turns to rubbish. It's like um, Homer's game plan on The Simpsons there where you run around and gyrate for a bit and... All that kind of stuff. But um, when as soon as the Roosters' forwards are on the front foot, and um, Lindsay Collins had a big part to play in this game doing that, and so did Radley um, taking the ball into the line. 
Um, he didn't just ball play, which he's been sort of doing at the start of the year. He took a couple of hard runs as well. So I thought they were sort of the cornerstones. I thought it was better of, set up with Jared starting. Jared was pretty good at first 20. Yeah, he, he was outstanding. He was. And they, they, they got on that front foot early and then um, the Cowboys just couldn't go with him. Tamalalo's output's improved. Um, yeah. He's still not playing massive minutes, but... He's putting in now, and he's not punching holes in walls and breaking his hands. So that's something for the Cowboys. But um, they've got a few guys with him. Um, you know, Robson, Cotter, yeah. they, they, they went all right. Uh, you've got blokes like Griffin Neem who put in a stint, but they're only probably 20, 30-minute players. But there's something there. They will beat some of these other teams. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're definitely not anything probably higher than, you know, 14th to 12th, I wouldn't imagine, by the time we get to the end of the season. But I, I can't see him running last anymore. Um, Nanoi looks like a good young kid, but he's got a few errors in him. But he's he's com- he was comfortably one of they their better players. As of today, yeah. Yeah, with, um, with Tuolungi on the, out in the wing there, he looks like a decent player as well. Dean was easily their best player um, by a long way, and he's he's improved leaps and bounds coming into this year. One of the big question marks always had was his defence, and his defence has improved massively. And he's actually shown a really good calm head and kicking game. So probably got something to do with working with Jonathan Thurston, and Chad probably added a little bit because Chad's not the dumbest footballer running around. He's just not the most talented. So, but He <laughs> does seem to have altogether. a good one for the game. Chad yeah, Townsend, um, yeah. Collins and Crichton, definitely worth a mention off the bench. Satili and Tupanua were good. Uh, sorry, Tupu were good. And Teddy was awesome. But yeah. I had Radley and Manu as the two best players in this team. So I had Manu with three, Radley with two, and then Tedesco with the one point. I'm okay yeah. with that unless you're going to throw um, yeah, maybe Jared in there for one because I thought he was, was his best game in a while, actually. Oh, best game this yeah. year. I but guess you Teddy, you got to give it to Teddy. You, you do, and I agree. But actually, we didn't mention as well. Tupo, he's a good. It turns out yeah. Daniel Tupo is a good winger. Who'd have thought? He just does it every week, mate. He yeah. never gets any raps unless he jumps over someone four times and scores three tries. Yeah, and gets a hat trick, and even then you only give him the one point because there's a winger who scored a hat trick, yeah. and all he, he did was, was jump higher than somebody else. Was, I thought he was, but he does the hard work out of his yeah, back end. You don't see him, you know, getting people don't run around him and score tries. That they definitely don't jump over him. And nobody generally runs over the top of him either because he's pretty decent in defence. So he's a top-line winger. 100%. Uh, let's get to Sunday afternoon. I know Gump can't wait to talk about this game. <laughs> 44-0. The Storm showed the Bulldogs again exactly where they're at and uh, what it all means. Barney, some stats? Yeah, eight tries to nil. Six out of eight conversions. 79% completion played 71 34 out of 43 sets played 27 out of 38. Five line breaks for the Storm, one for the Dogs. 20 tackle busts played 27. Seven offloads to 23. Four forced dropouts by the Dogs. I'm not sure if that's right or if I've written it down incorrectly or what, but apparently there was none for the Storm and four for the Dogs. Zero 40 20s, 303 tackles played 318 tackles. Four ruck infringements played two. Six penalties conceded to seven. 10 errors to 11. Grant made 36 tackles. Waddell made 34. I reckon he missed quite a few. But uh, Coates with 201 metres. Tavita Pangai with 151. Coates missed four tackles, made seven. Nine misses from the, the two uh, halves. Braden Burns missed three tackles, made 21. And the centres for the Bulldogs, Avarillo missed two, made five. And Naden missed two and made six. 
Pappenhausen with 193 Supercoach points, Coates with 87, and Tavita Pangai with 82. Have at it, Gump. The attack is just horrendous. And uh, I'm trying to think of a worse word than horrendous, but, like, the Bulldogs, and you knew, look, I said last week they probably needed to play different, so it wasn't 30-6. to six. It was 44-0, so I was a couple of tries off sort of what it would be in terms of if the Bulldogs played the same way. They played the same way, and for the first 15 minutes, they had all the ball down at Melbourne's end and never looked like scoring a try. It was just a set-up play and then a set-up play, and you think they're going to do something, and then there'd be another hit-up, and then there'd be a kick that'd go dead. or it, it would. It's just... This is what it's, I understand. It's, is is Trent Barrett actively that... sitting there going, mate, we don't want you to do anything until the fifth tackle. Just keep hitting up and then we'll keep it there and who knows. Because right. you're not going to beat Melbourne or, beat or any of those teams just trying to slog it out with them in the middle and try and, and, and win 12-10. You're not going to, when you're a bottom team, you're not going to beat the top teams doing that because they can score when they want to score. The last 15 minutes, Melbourne didn't score a try and didn't try. To score a try. Maybe that Gus has said, send a message out. We don't want to lose by 60. You know, just pull up a bit because it was. It, it Look, the only shining light on the day we was calling 60 TPJ minutes. for the Bulldogs. I thought playing in the middle, he 150 tried to offload. He did most times. He, he sort of got the ball. Um, there's just nobody there to really do anything. That's the same as the Raiders. Marshall King standing there. And just gets the ball flat foot, runs another two meters, and gets tackled. Um, look, I don't know what the answer is. Well, I unless they get somebody that can really manage a game, and probably a different coach that comes in to to do something, then like I can't see it improving in terms of attack. So, look, in the next few weeks, they play Penrith this week. You know, hopefully, for the Bulldogs' sake, Penrith rest a few. Like, I know Luai had that little bit of a knee injury or whatever. Maybe it gives a couple of them a rest this week and, and sort of take – but even they'll bring O'Sullivan in or someone else in and yeah. it won't change anything. But Penrith won't have the same intensity this week playing the Bulldogs. The storm with the storm. Pappy is just starting to – Flick into to gear, I think, in terms of his performances. Harry Grant was good. Jerome Hughes was good. Like, Olam and blokes like that didn't really have to do much. Um, Kenny Bromwich, I thought, was really good for them as well on, on the edge. Um, look, not too much more you can say. It's, you know, the performance from the Bulldogs wasn't great and Melbourne were were Melbourne and they probably weren't 100% at their best either. Didn't have to be. Yep, 100%. Um, they yeah, don't really have much more to add. Melbourne are a good football team. Yeah. They have the best spine in the comp, arguably. You could probably argue against the team we're about to talk about. And um, Pappenhausen has taken, what, nearly 12 months to get over his head knock and now it's it looks like he's pretty good. Yeah. He's flying. Uh, the, I don't think their spines haven't gotten to gear yet. They didn't really need to use the cheese a lot. Um, need a quiet game, no. so um, there, there's more ammunition there. Probably Munster didn't wasn't needed a lot, got in a wake up times, but didn't really need to be involved. Hughes looked tremendous. Yep. 
um, obviously the best running halfback in the game uh, and was at his best. And when you put them all together, you're going to beat a bottom four team by a lot of points. Uh, well, what can I say, Barn? Uh, I wish the dogs had a bit more strike in their team because this would have been something like 44 to 20. It would have been a pretty entertaining game. There were definitely opportunities there. Their forward pack worked hard enough to... It could have been you know, 12 now. I thought that they probably... matched Melbourne's forward yeah. pack for the majority of the game. And if you put a bit more strike in that in those halves and in the back line, this could have been a very, very competitive game. Um and so I thought the dogs probably matched them, if not bettered them at times in the middle of the field. Tavita Pangai Jr.'s performance this week was as good as just about anybody in the NRL over the entire weekend. But they just cannot and do not score any points. And they're up against a team who can absolutely out of nowhere put 20 points on in 15 minutes. And then you're sitting there scratching your head going, how the fuck did that happen? It was because Pappenhausen ran past two years and someone, you know, put on a beautiful inside ball or something and, Game's over. Like, Melbourne beat some of the best teams by doing that, scoring 18 points in 10 minutes, and you you just don't know what, you know, you don't know how it happened, but it happens so many times, it's not a coincidence. Um, and then you get a 44 to nil scoreline. Um, <laughs> there's, there's just no ability to provide any points of attack outside of... Tavita Bangai barge over or a bomb that gets dropped and someone picks it up and scores points. I or don't pray know. That, or pray that Matt Dufty gets a open field. Steps back inside yeah. somebody. Yeah. And surely, like, you know, you're one of the least effective attacking teams in the competition. Why the fuck are you not coming up with play after play after play and just trying them? Like, you got to try something. Yeah. You can't come out and score six to 10 points every week and lose by 10 and then go, oh, we didn't get the rub of the green today. We didn't, you know, fucking put on seven or eight plays in six or seven times you touch the ball and see what happens. <laughs> and I don't understand the selection either of Avarillo in the centres and putting no. Shop in reserve grade. Shop yeah. was great the week before. He was. They handled Turbo and defensively, Shop was really good. I'm and they saying. put Avarillo in, and I thought Shop must have been injured, but I looked in reserve grade and he, he scored a couple of meat carved it up. Reserve grade shot. Yeah. So he's not, it wasn't injured. So yeah. I don't quite get that selection. But anyway, he's but able to do Burton a job. and Wakem weren't poor either. They did a job. They just don't have any structure around them to show them the way to go. Like they're, they're not bad halves. They're asking the, there's the something much. there. Burton's doing the trying to do the job at two. Yeah, Thompson yeah. and King again were probably the best front rowers from the Bulldogs. Uh, Jackson and, uh, as I said, Tavita Pangai was their best Bulldog by a mile. Coach and Hughes were good. We've already mentioned them all. Harry, Josh King again had a really good game playing yeah. thirteen for the Storm. Kafusi uh, was, I thought Kafusi was really good. Actually, he's probably the second best player on the field. And Pappenhausen was looked like he came from a different planet in this game. So. Well, hair like that, who knows? Um, <laughs> well, my biggest gripe with the Bulldogs for the majority of last season has officially come back this week, and that's whenever I see them with the ball in hand, I want to fall asleep. Like I said, they're buffering. They're, like, just, like, they're last, a team that's the 80% year, of a team. It was yeah. the exact same thing. They would be 10 metres out. I remember distinctly... And, this game reminded me of it when they versed Penrith at Penrith last year. For the first 20 minutes of the game, 
They had the ball literally within Penrith's 20 and were not a threat at all. And Gump, I know you bring it up about Payne Haas and needing, you know, a halfback and uh, a front rower. At the moment, if I'm the Bulldogs, I sort of get why you're not giving Haas one million because they need a halfback. Nothing is going to change at that club, or at least very little is going to change until they get that proper game controlling halfback. Well, until agree, then, nothing's going to like what. But until one comes available, you've got I, to I get that, try but... and come up with a game plan to work around it, Ollie. That's that's yeah. my thing. Like, I I 100% agree with you, but if nobody's on the market to yeah. get, then maybe you get Payne Haas and think, okay, we've got to play differently. Teams have been reasonably successful with without a seven, but a good six and a good nine or whatever. And and that's the thing. Reed Marnie's coming, Kikau's coming, but... And that's probably what a read, Marnie. And this is my problem. It, and uh, let's be honest, we probably all still agree Barrett's going to be the first coach to go. Yeah. Uh, even with yeah. Madge, and we'll get to hook. But um, what in this structure? What's Reed Marnie and Kiko going to do? Kiko's going to touch a ball four times in well, a game. Well, they're not going to do anything. And expect forty tackles. Reed Marnie will, will give you a kicking game out of dummy half, which they currently don't have. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where they can kick from their own forty and possibly. Put them so, in a corner. So the hope is to build a team around maybe get a forty-three money. Absolutely, and he will, he can give some short some some options out of dummy half for short runners. Um, the, the crash play inside outside angles and a better. He'll give um, Burton a little bit more time and space because he's got really good yeah, but, service from dummy half. Yeah, my but, point is, are they going to be? Is that how? No, they're absolutely to play? not. They're, 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 of course, they, they could. They might go up yeah. to a three different. They might go up two spots on the ladder, but they're not going to be a competitive team. By throwing him oh, in I 100% agree with Ollie, but until someone comes on the market, they've got to be creative and play differently. Yeah. They, the, and the Bulldogs aren't the only side that need to do this. No, absolutely not. The theme of this show is there's eight teams that need to play differently. Correct. But we've said tonight that there's a lot of sides that are pedestrian in attack, and they've all probably got the same problem that, yeah. you know, there's no. But it, it becomes paralysis nothing. by analysis. It becomes. Correct. They're too scared to concede. 20, but even so a nine that's willing to get out and run and you know kick kick early or you know run run the ball and actually get somebody to follow him, that'd make some sort of difference. There's just yeah. no options. There's no options out yeah. of the Bulldogs at the moment. I don't. I don't know what the. I. I don't. Well, there's no answer this year. They don't have it. Mm. Their, their, their roster's full unless they get rid of someone yeah. and someone becomes available. They're talking about player swaps with Luke Brooks to the Bulldogs yep. and Kyle Flanagan to the Tigers They're and whatnot. Well, that's what I mean. I, I don't know that that's the answer. They can dead set do worse than going, okay, Fox, every time we've got a quick play the ball, get to nine and just fucking sprint straight up the well, middle of the field. Something, that's you know right. what I mean? <laughs> it'll get them on the front foot at least. So they get a quick play the ball and do yeah. something. Put but. Dufty to six. Play Burnett seven, put Dufty to six, and at least yeah, he's got a have. rainbow ball, and he's got to, you know, he'll try something. Yeah, uh, look. Anyway, got to try something, but I don't yeah, know. They are. Uh, obviously, Pappy's getting three, who's two, yeah. and you were suggesting you might have. Um, no, I had Kafusi for Kifusi. two, and then I two. ever had Harry Grant or Jerome Hughes for the one. I'm happy with Kafusi for the one because I, I probably would have had Hughes. Just to, I think him and Pappenhausen Hughes complemented each other yeah. really well as well. Yeah, that will go Hughes two and uh, Kafusi one, with the yeah. one. Uh, and then Para put forty eight on the Dragons. 
who Indeed. have won one game in the last 12, as opposed to the Tigers three, and I think the Warriors three. But apparently he hooks under no pressure, so it's good. Well, and, he, um, this year... Because oh, he's got all the young kids that he's not going to play. That, 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 he dropped, that he dropped, yeah. Yeah, 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 that he yeah. dropped, yeah, that was good on your hook. But um, Eight tries to two, eight out of eight but conversions. But he's a good bloke. Two out of two for the Dragons. <laughs> Field goal miss for Parramatta. One out of one... Uh, Penalty goals for the Dragons, 88% completion played 71%. 38 out of 43 sets played 25 out of 35 for the Dragons. Eight line breaks to five, 40 tackle busts to 20, 17 offloads to nine, a forced dropout by the Dragons, a 40-20 by the Eels. 311 tackles played 311 tackles. One ruck infringement to five, zero inside the tens for either team. Four penalties conceded from both sides. Eight errors for the Eels, 12 by the Dragons. Mahoney with 40 tackles, McCulloch with 44, Gutherson with 209 running metres, and Rabalawa with 200. Moses missed six tackles, made 15. Bird missed eight and made 28. Hunt missed five and made eight. Moses, 144 supercoach points. Brown with 131. Blake with 97 and Hunt with 80. You look at... it. it Hawk is now doing what was... what I was worried about him doing from the get-go this year, and that's not having the faith in the young blokes and going back to his old boys and playing Moses Embi at fullback. It's like Sloan realistically had one bad game and he got dropped. And you know what? With about 60 minutes to go, I said, geez, the Dragons could do with a little bit of X factor that, I don't know, Tyrell Sloan brings. Like, you don't put your eggs in his basket and then drop him after one bad game. The hook needs have, to persist. Have a look at that one bad game, though, right? It was pissing down rain. Yeah. The Sharks just bombed to him and smashed him every time he touched the ball. What's the, what's the young yeah. kid meant to do? They didn't provide him any ball to do anything with. So Yeah. And when a side's clinical against you as well, which has happened against the Dragons two weeks in a well, in a row now, there's not much you can do. But on the positive side, the power side, I'd say Dylan Brown was probably the best player for me in this game, just what he was able to do for Parramatta. We were talking about last year how he seemed off, but the Parra fans just seemed to stick by him and it's starting to show now. I I don't really know what was going on last year, a bit of an off year, but he seems back to his best now. Just about Parra's best player so far this year. I would also say that the spine as a whole just clicked. Which, Absolutely. that's one yeah. of the problems I think Paris had more the first half of last year and in 2020 because it always seemed like there was one of the the spine players having an outstanding performance when they'd win and a couple of the others would sort of drop off a little bit. Now, obviously, Dylan Brown was the standout in this game, but they all sort of stood up. They all played their role at the very least and they were so dominant. Like, they're going to beat... And I think I'm officially changed my tune on Parramatta that they could be an outside shot at the Premiership because certain teams you just see with the way they play with like the little things as well, just how clinical they are. Parramatta were clinical. It's just like Cronulla earlier in the week. It's just like Penrith as well. It's like Melbourne. It, Yeah, they were just relentless as well. They didn't look like giving up at any point or letting up, I should say, against the Dragons and... So far, yeah, obviously the whole thing where they drop off towards the end of the year is a 
uh, a consistent theme the past couple of seasons, but I'd say they look at their best right now, even compared to early 2020 when they went on that run. I, I, yeah. Not I much more from me. I think they've found the right... I think they've worked it out. Uh, yeah. And Dylan Brown's a big key to that. And Dylan Brown, he's so strong, he's fast, he throws some amazing balls, which he wasn't doing last year, he wasn't touching the ball. Uh, but it seems like the halves are more comfortable with each other. Uh, after two and a half years, Gutho hasn't had to run his head off and run himself into the ground, which might keep him fresher for the back end of the year. And um, Marnie didn't do a lot, but he still chipped in with a 40-20. He still uh, got involved when he had to. And um, RCG is still just rolling along, just doing his job. It uh, and, and like I said last week, I think they've probably found the right combination in the back line. So it, it's all tick, tick, tick. I was bullish on him at the start of the year, as, I, as you guys know, and... Um, Happy to stick, I think. And in themselves, I think they'll know they've beaten Melbourne this year. They've beaten Penrith last year. They would think they're a chance of, of going yeah. further than they can, but obviously proofs comes down the line. But um, I was super impressed. Uh, Moses, fantastic flat-track bully, as we know, and uh, <laughs> and he got to ride on some coattails in the second half, so good on yeah. him. And, yeah, good football to watch. They're going to they're gonna beat a lot of teams this year. I've just spent an hour and a half talking about yeah. by a lot of points because they're terrible, and they're going to look very good doing it. So, good on them. Yeah, it, it seems Para finally finally gotten it right in the sense of that because when we see them putting in a big performance against a Melbourne or a Penrith in recent years, they seem gassed the next week or they don't seem to anticipate. They don't seem to want to go out with the same effort the week after. I think this is where it's finally switched. That they've, if anything, just upped it, and. That's that's what you need from a champion team, right? Well, as Daggy mentioned, there hasn't been a game yet this year where Gutherson's been playing five eight and fullback yeah. and centre and every yeah. other position on the field. Um, he's realistically had very little involvement compared to what he usually does at the start of the season for Parramatta. Um, his involvement still haven't been poor. Don't get me wrong; he's uh, he's doing a really good job, but. He's not having to carry this team on his back. The forward, their defence is as good as just about anybody in the competition. Uh, even in this game, they just went through the motions and their defence was strong. Um, realistically, didn't get broken apart at all during this game. Um, and if on the back of that kind of defence, if they can switch on like they did and score 20 points, 30 points in 15, 20 minutes, they're going to blow the majority of the competition apart at different times this year. As you mentioned, they've beaten they've beaten uh, Melbourne Storm. They've gone close to Penrith. They should have beaten the Sharks as well, if not for one play earlier this year. Um, the Dragons, half the team was good and the other half was ridiculously poor. Um, the only answers I got out of Hook replacing Sloan and Amone with Moses and Bird is that Moses and Bird should not be taking Sloan and Amone's positions in this fucking football <laughs> team. <laughs> like, it was as simple as that. Moses was ridiculously poor at fullback, and um, I don't understand why that was ever an option. Does, does Hook just it's the same as he drove Duffy? So the more you think about it, he drove Duffy out of the club. Didn't mm. drive him out. He just got rid of him. Does he just have a certain opinion on how a fullback should play and then lose his faith? What? What? Obviously, he must do, but it's, I don't know what kind of play he wants out of his fullback, realistically, unless he just wants him to make 13 tackles or something and, you know, not drop a high And never ball. miss a grubber or something. And what, what, is that, what is that going to get you, realistically? <laughs> like you look at the, you get to be the, Canterbury. 
the good teams in the competition, you've got explosive fullbacks that can score points when they're needed or they chime into a back line and make a, you know, an attacking situation better for their team. Uh, Fullback realistically should have very little to do with defence apart from setting up the defence in front of them and being in the right position when the kicks come through. Other than that, it's all about attack realistically. Um, and on attack, Paris' attack was absolutely humming at different times in this comp, in this game. And Dylan Brown was the catalyst for all of it. When the when it was when they needed points and when the game was on the line, it was Dylan Brown, and that's why Dylan Brown should get three points. And how anyone gave Moses three points in this game, I've got no idea. Yes, he was good, and yes, he got on the back of what Dylan Brown did early. But if he hadn't done that early, Moses would have had no chance of doing that at the back end of this game. So. But, yeah, again, Parramatta look like at different times in different games, they can score points at will. Gumpy? Yeah, look, Par- Parramatta are big and they're all athletic. Like, they've got Moses, Marnie and Gutho who are smaller. Then the rest of them are all big, but they're all mobile. There's no sloppiness no. like even Paulo and whatnot, who's a bigger guy, but he's not sloppy. He's good on his feet. He could even play that ball playing lock role and he started to a bit in this game. And it wouldn't surprise me if Paulo sort of does a bit more of that role moving forward and Brown maybe plays in the in the front row and Paulo sort of does the lock thing. He's That's a really good shout. He's a halfback yeah. in, a, in a prop's body and... You know, but they're all big, they're athletic. Um, as I've said before, St. George is small, too small. They, they, a side like Parramatta, are going to monster them every time because they're small. Look, I'm with you with the whole hook thing. If you're going to drop Sloan and Amone, at least put blokes in there that play that position. Moses Embai is not a fullback, no. and Jack Bird's not a 5'8. So if you're going to drop a, a fullback, bring a fullback in. And if you're going to drop a 5'8", bring a 5'8 in. The, the, the people he put in there were never going to solve the problem because they don't play those positions. Like, I just don't understand because all it is is a, a vote of no confidence to the young kid. Well, yeah, What's absolutely he supposed to it think? Is. What's he like, supposed he, to he think? was poor the week before and I yeah. called him out on, on not standing in front of <laughs> tackles and stuff. But yeah. I, I, you're right. He's, they've probably got to persist and how's the confidence sort of going for those blokes. But... I don't have so much of a problem with it if you're putting someone in that plays that position. But the question now for me yeah. is, does Hook swallow his pride and bring these kids back in, or do they now sit on the sidelines for the next three he, or four weeks while the team just falls apart? He well, has to bring him back. Well, he's got to bring the fullback back. Like the five eight, maybe he sticks with Bird. You Bird could probably yeah, possibly. always sort of wanted to play five eight, and Bird's a good footballer, so. You know, maybe persist with Bird, but he's probably got to bring the kid back at fullback. Although, is he? Was he hamstrung? And his next choice, Cody Ramsey, was out injured. Possibly. I think Cody Ram, and I don't know that he's a better option than. I think Sloan's a much better player than Cody Ramsey moving forward. So I'm a better option at fullback. Yeah, than Ramsey's not Cody a fullback. Well, Ramsey's not a fullback. Well, I agree. That's yeah. but but yeah. I'm tipping that was his thinking, and then he's gone to third choice and buy because that that was third choice but that might be a good shout because it wouldn't surprise me the one thing they do to his name's ramsey at one for a game to see what happens well we ended up playing at one towards the end of the cronulla game 
then you end up having a, your, your kid like you just put Amone and Sloan out on the outer now, and they six weeks from now they're not going to want to be there. Yeah, isn't this what happened uh, with Jason McGregor. Saab? Well, that happened yeah. with Jason Saab and uh, Young Sailor as well. Like originally, and, Dufty, and they wanted, Dufty, and they yeah. they all wanted out of the club um, yeah. because they weren't getting minutes. It's Hawks well and truly jumped the gun here because they had one bad game after nearly beating the Premiers and winning in round one. One bad game. One bad game shows you that you've had one bad game. It's not necessarily an indicator that you're going to keep having bad games. Again, Cronulla Clinical, arguably a top four side. We've spoken about that in this show. But and like, kids are going to throw that up once yeah, a month. They're yeah. going to throw up a bad game once a month. They've played you've got to the stick last with him. Two weeks, they've played two top four teams. Yep, yep. They're not, they're not top four level. They've now been exposed that they're not. Yep. And probably lucky to be top eight level. But they've played two pretty good football teams the last two weeks who yep. have played well. Put them away. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's well and truly jumping the gun. And I don't like... <laughs> Have some faith in your players and especially your young blokes because you're building your club around these players. Like Sloan's still showing me, I've got no less confidence that he is eventually the one player you want to build around and bring in players to help him because he's got the talent at the very least. He's proven that. But yeah, the one bad game, drop him and yeah, and you'll end, end, end up like, like and, uh, oh, his defensive decisions or whatever it might be. But anyway, uh, th- Three points to uh, Dylan Brown. Sounds yep. like we're all in greens there. Absolutely. Two to Moses, and then yep. you can yep. uh, pick either Marnie or, or actually Gutho. Gutho was good. I had one of late. Yeah. yeah. I'd probably go Gutho. I thought he was super strong. couple of tries, ran over his man. He's absolutely found his position on the wing, but I'm happy with Marnie or Gutho. I'd go Gutho. Do you go Gutho? Just because he's Gutho. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right. We get to, we get on the home stretch now. Have we got a brace this week? Barney. Oh, I don't have a break just at the moment. Give me a second to think about that one. But um, I'm, I'm I'll jump in with a grace for a break. Yeah, go get for in a there. bloke that's about to sign a $1.2 million contract, Kalen Ponga, and uh, our man Action was very critical of him. But he does not like being tackled. He does not like being involved. And he'll be the classic, I'm on 1.2 for four years now, so I'll just live in Newcastle for a bit and turn up and play some footy here and there. He... Um, I was very underwhelmed, let's put it that way. I know he's just come back from injury, but yeah, that'll be my breath. I'll leave you on. Yeah, anyone not named Tino in that game yeah. on Thursday night. Yeah, even Tino's <laughs> half a breath in that game. <laughs> I, I know, but hey, at least he at, at least he had the uh, the will of all to show up, us. So he, maybe he's sold uh, at as well. At least he showed us that he's a first grader for part of that game. I can't say that for the rest of them, really. Lump, you got one? Selwyn Cobbo, unfortunately, this week, he just wasn't up to it. Um, no involvement, yeah, errors. Yeah, just, you know, he's better than that. Selwyn, you're better than that. Yeah. It's the Luke, it has to be the Braith Award, doesn't it? Luke Brooks. He nearly, he nearly has to have to rename <laughs> this award. To the, to the Brooks Award, yeah. He is dead set um, week after week for the last probably five years of his career has looked less and less of a first-grade halfback than what he was seven or eight years ago. Yep, okay, fair call. Um, do we have a slap, Barn? Do you have a salute and a slap? Oh, it's going to – the slap's going to hook. I, 
as I said, I have no understanding of why you would drop um, Sloan and Amone and replace them. So especially the performance from uh, Moses Mbai at fullback was disgraceful. It would have been close to one of the worst performances of the weekend. And you're replacing a young kid who has so much talent, so much untapped raw talent that could be playing in that position. And then you put Moses Mbai in there who has... You know, he's been signed on shit ton of money and not proven himself anywhere for quite a long time. I just don't understand how you do that. And you know, and that's just going to affect that kid's confidence. It's probably going to put his career back by 12 months and he's going to have to go and find somewhere else to play. But Cubs will take him and someone will get him right. <laughs> and salute has to be Dylan Brown. He's had two of the best games he's played in, in his entire career, I think. The entire time I've seen him play, in the last two weeks he's played tremendous football, and I'm looking forward to him. If he can keep that up, he's going to be very close to the Dally M by the end of the year. Dump, you got one. You got one of each. I'm going to I'm going to slap two coaches, Trent Barrett, do something different, Trent, for God's sake. (laughs) And I don't want to kick a man while he's down, but I'm going to slap Madge because in the after press conference. To make a statement, if we play like that, we'll win some games. Maybe if you first the Tigers. It's an out and out lie. The only way you really can play like that is if you play your own reserve grade team and you still might and win. And they'll probably beat you. <laughs> so I'm slapping him only for that reason. I don't want to kick him while he's down. He's trying to back his players, but maybe you need to be give him a bit of a spray. And I'm going to salute Matt Moylan. I love the way he gave early ball out to Talakai. He's looking the best he's looked in a while for the Sharks. He's um, looking fit. You he know, is. he's looking yeah. fit. He's got a bit of a swagger back and he, he's moving a little bit better and, you know, confidence is high. And, look, he's always been a really good player. He's had his injury concerns and he's head may not have been right at times, but, you know, it might just be his year to really push Be back. the team to a top four. I'm going to salute the systematic fullback, I'm going to call him for now, on Dylan Edwards because it was just another clinical performance from him. And again, in a side that is full of talent so he doesn't have to do anything extra, he can still have a man-of-the-match performance like he did on Friday night. And I'm actually going to slap the M voters because I know every week we have our gripes of them, but I feel like this week is the week that overall they've stuffed up the most this year. Uh, yeah, there's four games every week I can't work out. But anyway, um, Isaiah Yeo probably gets three points next week as well. So that's good. Uh, yeah, I'm he's, gonna... the... he's playing reserve grade. Yeah, and Turbo <laughs> Turbo get three in the hospital. So he, <laughs> they're going to call it the Yeo Travojevic Award by uh, the end of the year. Can't wait. Uh, who am I going to slap? I'm going to slap Damien Cook for giving away a professional foul yeah. um, just to get a captain's challenge uh, and, and to get away with it annoyed me even more. So... Stuff him, and I'll salute DCE just because um, that was a, as good a halfback performance as we'll see this year, and uh, someone should salute him. Everyone else take, took all the other good ones. Um, that's it, Barney. Well done for getting off your deathbed and joining us to well done, Bob. to uh, power through, go and sleep for the next forty eight hours, and come back for the preview. 
Exactly. That's the plan anyway. Good work, Gump. I'll catch up with you soon. And uh, Ollie, well done. Thank you. Take care, everyone. Stay safe. Don't get COVID. It's no good for you. (laughs) And uh, we will talk to everyone very shortly. Catch you guys.